Welcome back to another quarantine edition of the Footy Pod. This is episode number 20, and we have Mr. Sean Miller on the show today. Uh, man, where do I even start? Uh, Sean Miller is is uh, the owner of Upper 90 Sports Media. Upper 90 is a partner and sponsor of Footy Factory and FF Premier. Um, he's, you know, through Upper 90, through his company, he's traveled all over the world to film games for teams at all different levels. He's seen the game at the highest level. He has uh, two daughters that currently play or did play in the DA before it shut down. Uh, and one of them just recently committed to the University of Texas. So that's pretty cool. He's 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 seen the game. He's been around the game at, at the highest level. So he knows what's going on. There's, there's no one that I would say that's more in tune with the soccer landscape here in North Texas across the country than this guy. So um, I was really looking forward to this conversation. I really wanted to steer the discussion towards the state of U.S. soccer as a whole. And um, we got to that quickly. We we shared you know, a lot of opinions back and forth. Uh, very, very insightful discussion. Lots of good information being thrown around. And it will surely help you to think about the game in a different way. Think about soccer as a whole in a different way so um i really hope you you get some value out of it make sure you listen all the way through we are recording remotely today so i've had some connectability issues on that and uh towards the end of this episode there will be some overlap on the audio uh it doesn't get too bad though but right at the end there is some parts where you miss out on on some good moments but um just try to follow along as best as you can if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever platform you prefer to listen on, make sure you like, you you leave us a review, um, and you share with your friends. Share with somebody that you think might get some value out of it. Um, and also, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to us and, and give us any feedback that you might have on the episode. That's what's going to help us to, to really improve the show. So, um, again, you know, try to... Do your best with with the audio issues towards the end, um, and hope you enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, the busiest man in North Texas soccer, Mr. Sean Miller, how's it going? Doing great, doing really, really well. Good to hear, good to hear. I know, uh, you know, we're all in a difficult situation here, but things look to be getting back to normal um what what's what's your normal starting to look more like these days um well you know i really feel like you know in this time um during the pandemic you know my life has really changed a lot um from my business upper 90 sports media to uh, both of my daughters playing in the da league um our normal ritual was you know uh, go to work kids go to school uh, pick them up. We're at practice, you know, grabbing a meal on the go. Uh, I mean, just like a lot of other North Texas soccer families um, on the weekend, it was, you know, filming a game and, and or, or five watching my kids play. And, you know, um, so the new norm for us is, is really been a, a really slow of life, which yeah. has been, a, has been a real calming effect. Um, we've kind of gone back to the basics um, started some real great fundamental family um, 
you know, rituals, if you will, um, eating dinner together for one is fantastic. Yeah. Um, you get to do schoolwork together, which I didn't know that I could ever do in middle school algebra again. Which is, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's more challenging than filming a game, <laughs> but, um, Definitely. you know, and U S history, fantastic. Um, Oof. so, um, you know, I've got an eighth grader now going to be a, fr- a freshman in high school and then I also have a junior, which will be a senior. So, um, you know, it's been definitely trying at times because close quarters in our house. Um, but no, it's been, it's been pleasant. And for me, it's kind of been a, a, a leveling of life and, you know, I don't know what the new norm is. Um, but, uh, when we come out of this and it, it'll definitely, definitely be different. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think anybody knows what the new normal is going to be, but it will definitely be new. The, the, the normal that we're about to see is not going to be the same normal. So you know, I, I agree. I think this has all been been good for everyone to just slow down, reset, you know, kind of just really figure out what's important. And then and then, of course, uh, appreciate more the things that are. So, uh, you know, hopefully soccer gets going again. I know we've started some small group sessions. Have have your girls started practicing at all or what's what's going on with them? Uh, both of the, my girls play uh, at, at solar. Um, they will i believe start back to some small sided uh, training sessions in the next couple of weeks uh I, you know i've talked to both of their coaches um and you know th- they're probably going to be one of the slowest clubs out of the gate to come back um you know i've got lots of friends in the community and in the coaching world as well as families that, that play the game here in north texas i know fc dallas started back this week um you know at toyota and, uh, you know, again, the new norm is, you know, and, and I don't think this is anything close to what our new norm is going to be. I think everybody is very, very cautious um, at this moment because, you know, uh, all it takes is one child on the team to potentially, you know, catch this virus. And then we're back to square one or that team goes into immediate quarantine. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I'm a firm believer. I'd rather be safer than sorry. Um, I'd love for my girls to get back on the field with their teams. I will go on and say, um, you know, coach dad has been doing sessions with them. There Um, you go. You know, um, I do have my coaching licenses and and have coached um, at various clubs in my tenure here in North Texas. So, um, you know, just getting back to, you know, getting them getting touches and fitness and all of that stuff. So they haven't been um, sitting at home doing homeschool and sitting on the couch. That's for sure. I think yeah. if, I, if I would, you know, have any, say anything to any families out there, get out there, have some family time, um, you know, make sure they're, if you're not an athletic uh, parent or don't play soccer, find a wall. Um, you know, a wall and a ball is, is basic 101. Those kids can do Ooh. so much stuff with a, with a, with a wall and a ball um, that you, you'd be amazed at some of the skill set that, you know, some of our greatest soccer players started off with a ball and a wall. Absolutely. I mean, a wall is honestly the best training partner that you can find. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't talk back. You get a good pass back because if you give it one, you get one back. Exactly. Uh, you know, um, you know, you can make it your friend. Um, there, there's tons of stuff you can do with the ball on a wall. Definitely. So I know that your main role now, obviously, is as a parent, you know, you have set, uh, do you have two or three girls. Uh, I have two girls and then I've got an older boy uh, who's 22. Oh. Okay. I didn't know that. Um, so obviously your main role is as a parent, you know, you're very, uh, involved as a parent. 
but you know, you also run upper 90, you film a lot of games, you travel all over the world to, to film, you know, different levels as well. But that only really scratches the surface on, you know, your background in the soccer scene. So why don't you just kind of fill us in on, on how you first were brought into the game and how that's kind of developed? You know, that's, that's a great question. Um, and my story is probably a lot different than a lot of the um, other, you know, guys my age or parents my age in the soccer community that, that uh, potentially. Um, I didn't start playing soccer till I was 14. Um, and that was because I grew up in Dallas. I wasn't born. I was born in Illinois, moved to Texas when I was three, um, but went to, you know, various elementary schools, middle schools, and really settled in Northwest Dallas my seventh grade year. Um, I went to a middle school, uh, Rusk, it's over by Love Field, um, you know, definitely a, a rough neighborhood. Um, also went to Thomas Jefferson High School, graduated there in 91, started playing soccer when I was 14. Uh, and that was because all the local kids did it. Now, all the kids in my neighborhood played select. I had kids at Longhorns. I had kids at Comets. I had kids at Storm. Um, Storm then became the Texans. Um, I actually did try out um, with the Storm 74 team. I made the team, but I lived with my mom, single mom. She wasn't able to afford the dues. So she said, no, we can't do it. Um, so I, I went and played for a gentleman by the name of uh, Johnny Russo. He had a kind of a lower level team. He coached select, but um, had a team called Lago United. So it was kind of his little independent Played there for a couple of years. Um, by the time I was a junior, I was a starting goalkeeper at Thomas Jefferson. Uh, senior year, I broke my arm. Then uh, actually went off to school at Stephen F. Austin. Played a couple of years of club soccer there. Came back home. Went to a community college. Kind of took a hiatus out of soccer for about four years. Didn't really play. Had lost like kind of the passion and love for the game. And and came back probably right around 98, 99. Um, started playing again. I started playing at Inwood Soccer Center um, at that time. What a legendary place, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that place is a staple in, uh, uh, in the soccer world. It used to be a tennis center back in the 80s. Uh, so Yeah. <laughs> uh, I actually started working there. Um, I worked there. I worked the scoreboard, um, you know, and that's really where I made a lot of my uh, friends in the soccer community now that are all coaches, um, you know, as – and it's funny, now I see some of their kids coaching, so that kind of tells you how old I am. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, great soccer scene. I mean, it was fantastic. Sidekicks were just coming back. I think that was like in the 90, you know, they came back uh, 2004, I think, is when they made their way back. Um, you know, so just playing soccer, soccer, soccer. Um, I started coaching. I was an assistant coach uh, for a friend of mine, and I was the goalkeeping coach for three of his teams. His oldest team was the 85s, and that was with the Dallas Texans. Really got me into coaching. Started taking some coaching licenses. Um, kind of stopped there. Uh, had my daughter, um, Ashlyn, in 2003. Uh, you know, she obviously was kind of, I stopped coaching because I wanted to focus on being a dad. I was still playing, playing at Inwood, um, you know, playing outdoor co-ed, playing men's. I mean, that was my life. I just loved the game so much. So uh, back in 2008, I um, picked up a, a coaching gig at the uh, Defeaters. So I coached there for two and a half years. I had OOs and O1s. 
which, okay. which is a real odd thing because my um, OOs are actually graduating college this year and my O1s are juniors. So, oh, um, I mean, that's a humbling experience, right? Um, when you start yeah. seeing your kids, your kids you coached and, um, and that was really my, my, my O1s were my, my biggest group that I really built a relationship with. I had them for the longest. Um, I handed them off. Um, as I took a traveling job, I, I kind of stepped out of coaching for a while and 2011, um, 2012 started upper 90 sports media. Um, and that was kind of on a whim. My daughter, um, had made the solar red O3 team, SRSA O3, um, legendary, I think in North Texas. Um, she was taken on with, from, with Derek Nisimo and, and his, um, I would call them a band of gypsies. I mean, they were super talented kids. Um, and, and as funny as it may be, he and I actually bought my first rig together. Um, and we, we kind of, he wanted to film all the games. I said, okay, I'll buy the camera. You buy the rig within six months. I paid him back and I started upper 90 sports media. And that's kind of where I'm at with, with that business. I mean, that business has grown in the last nine years to unfathomable lengths, um, getting traveled the globe, film games uh i've got uh you work with coaching education um it's just been a phenomenal experience and that's not even you know my kids have had a great experience my son um he's a 98 so i've had went through all of his he played for texans he played for so he's played for hassan he played for nick stavro very established coaches in our in our community um you know fantastic experience he then went on to play at dallas baptist um so great experience there that's awesome. Yeah, I know that, uh, you know, Upper 90 has offered you the opportunity to not only stay involved as a parent, but to be able to see the other side of it, too. And and you just recently took a trip to Brazil to film some of uh, what, what was the, the, the competition? Remind me. So again. I, I actually uh, was there with and partnering with the Philadelphia Union. They brought their U-17s um, and they bought uh, brought their I think it was. They were 08s, so I think U11s, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so they had their 17s, which is their 03 team, and then their 08s there. Um, we did uh, Iber Cup, two Iber Cup tournaments. And actually the 17s when we were in um, – I wasn't in Porto Alegro. Um, I forgot where we flew into. But we actually did a sub-American with Palmeiras. So it was a U17 mm-hmm. with uh, Palmeiras, Gremio, I mean, some high-quality South American teams. Um, Red Bull Salzburg actually brought a team over uh, from Austria. Fantastic. I mean, we while we were there, we were there for um, about 18 days. We filmed 54 games and streamed 46 games Oof. in 18 days. Um, right. Uh, yeah, so I did pick up a couple local pieces of talent that were there that helped me film some film guys um, that I, I, I hooked up with via Iber cup. I mean, uh, we're streaming, you know, it was, it was just trials and tribulations of being in a South American country where Wi-Fi and internet connectivity is not like we have, it is today. I mean, if you can imagine being at your home right now and your kids trying to do homeschool with no internet, yeah, that's not fun. So, um, yeah. You know, I, I partnered with uh, Live U, uh, rented a, a backpack uh, from them. It, it, it's, it's basically a, a backpack that has five cell phone SIM cards in it. Take that back, eight of them. 
and it bonds it into one cell signal and allows you to stream with unbreakable Wi-Fi. So that's how I streamed while we were there in order to get everything off the ground. Because um, obviously you're streaming for an MLS team, MLS club, um, everything has to be perfect. Um, so there's no room for error <laughs> um, in, in those yeah. circumstances. Uh, I've also had the great opportunity um, to, to travel with Newton EFC, um, now with, now become part of Solar Soccer Club, but this was about three years ago. Um, you know, actually in 2015, we went up to Canada and played some friendlies, went and watched the Women's World Cup. Year after that, the summer, we went over and played in uh, the Gothia Cup and in Dana Cup, and we actually won the Dana Cup. So uh, soccer, soccer, and we actually flew a rig over. We filmed all our games. Um, I mean, soccer and, and Upper 90 has really provided me and my daughters um, and my son just some experiences and memories of a lifetime. And you know, that's one of the key things for me is, you know, uh, soccer is a sport. For me, it's not really a sport. It's a lifestyle. Um, and, yeah. you know, we as a family try to, you know, when we can travel as a family and attend soccer events and just create everlasting memories. And, uh, you know, some of those are soccer memories. Obviously, we take family vacations other than soccer. But when we can. Um, you know, if, if one daughter is going to, to surf cup, we all go. If, um, one daughter is playing in the DA playoffs, we all go. Um, you know, both of my daughters play DA. So, um, you know, they both have a chance to go last year. Uh, you know, we played for the Dallas Texans. Um, my older daughter, Ashlyn, her, her team made playoffs and my younger one guest played with the O fives. So she got the experience, um, you know, the spring showcase as well as the summer showcase with the O5 group. So what a great experience, both kids playing, you know, in California, um, you know, so it's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. What, what a way to like, you know, establish those memories as a family. And obviously soccer offers you an easy outlet to, to be able to do that. You know, like it's just a, a, a sport, like you said, it's a, it's a lifestyle. So anyone that, that enjoys it, wants to be all into it and you found a way to be all into it without actually having to coach or which you know can be very stressful or you know as a player I mean you didn't play at a a, a very high level but you know you've always been involved in it right and and so you know you figuring out a way to 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 stay involved in it at this level you know at the highest level your daughter plays for you know, what would be considered the top team in the country at her age group. And so, you know, you get to see what it really looks like at that level and not just see it, but you're directly involved in it. So how, how do you think that that has kind of, um, how would I say this? How do you think that that's kind of shaped your uh, approach to parenting a soccer player at a high level? You know, uh, it's a fantastic question because some days are better than others. Um, you know, at 17, yeah. uh, she'll be 17 on Saturday, actually. So, um, you know, 16. Um, and then my little one also, um, you know, 13 going on 14. You know, it every day is different. You know, um, in my house, there's three women and, and myself, so I'm outnumbered. So I don't know if, you know, heads are going to spin one day or not, um, you know, you, you know, so, um, you know, but from a parent's perspective, yes, I do have my hands and my wife, 
um, both equally involved in decisions that are made for, for their soccer journey. Um, you know, uh, my oldest just recently this, this past season committed to the university of Texas. Um, I was actually, yeah, I was actually in Brazil. Um, my wife actually was in Austin, uh, and, and spoke to coach Ange Kelly. So, um, I mean, Ange called me while I was in Brazil and we had conversation. Um, they both spoke to Ashlyn. They, they, you know, conference called me in and shared the news with me that she, uh, she had chosen to further her soccer career at the university of Texas and, and her education and get to play for coach Kelly. So we were super excited, you know, um, on a daily basis, you know, I, I try to find um, individuals or programs outside of club soccer to also challenge them. Um, I, I will say that my older daughter's club environment or team environment, I think, is second to none. Um, there are at least five kids that have been to national team camps. Three of them are staples. Um, iron sharpens iron. Every practice um, is, you know, it's intense, it's energetic. Um, while they're girls, they still have a good time. But when they're on the training field, um, it's it, it is it is incredible to watch those kids play. Um, so she's only going to get better because of the training environment and the kids that are around her. And hopefully, she's making kids around her also um, challenged and 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 better as well. Um, my youngest, I, I think, she's a different personality than. Than my oldest, so you tr- I have to treat them a little bit differently. She does the same things as my U seventeen, but um, she is she's definitely a different personality, and I think all kids are different. And I think you have to find um, for one one thing may work for another, but another thing may not work for you know your other child. If you only have one, you know what you got to try to find you know the the piece of the puzzles that actually make them tick. I mean, I relate sure. parenting to when I was coaching because when I was coaching and I, and I coached girls, I didn't know. And I had them when they were itty bitties before they went select. So they were still sponges and didn't have a lot of attitude and, and whatnot. You know, they didn't know how to talk back yet. And, um, which is, it's part of the growing up process. But when they came out to play, you kind of had to see what mentality each of those players was and how did you twist or turn or, or hit a button for one of those players to get a little more out of them. You know, and I, I feel like when you're coaching, you have to, it's, it's like being a psychiatrist for 16 different players or, or more or less, yeah. depending on your roster size. And you really have to figure out what works for those individuals, you know, work as a team, but how you can pull, get the best out of them individually. And as a parent, um, you know, I, we do, we do some speed and agility and strength training. We do some skills training. Um, and then, you know, now they're, they're with coach dad. Um, and we do, we do some technical workouts. Um, obviously they can run on their own. Um, but we're getting them back in, getting them back in the lab in regards to some strength and conditioning. Um, so you, know, you got to find what works for your kid in an environment that works for you, the individual player. And it's not a one size fits all. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So going back to your time as a coach, um, what did you find was the biggest challenge in terms of managing other parents? Um, you know, I didn't have a, a, a hard time. Um, at that time, I was at Defeater Soccer Club. My team was the first time that Defeaters ever had a second team, and I was uh, Samba Green. Um, there was a Samba Blue team. I had the second team. I really didn't have a lot of pressure from parents because they knew they were the second team, um, and they knew that 
man, all we really want, we just, we, we want to get good training. And I had a great manager. And if, and if anybody needed a sounding board, the sounding board was my manager. Uh, you know, and so awesome. I didn't get a lot of complaints. Um, and when I did, you know, you, you just have to, you, you got to handle those one with respect. Um, and then you got to think about it. You know, at that time, Ashland was five. So I had already been a parent and I, I think, you know, and I think a lot of coaches that are parents may respond to some questions differently than maybe coaches without, because the parent, the coaches that don't have kids don't have that. Um, they haven't gone through that opportunity yet. They, they don't, they may not understand. There's just, it's a different you know, dialogue, I think. And I don't mean any disrespect to any coaches that don't have kids. Maybe that's not what you want to do. But I also felt that being a parent, I could relate because you always got to relate that, you know, you know, Miss Williams is really talking about little Susie and little, little Susie's not getting enough playing time or little Susie's, you know, she says this or so you just have to look at it from Miss Williams perspective and really try to get what, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes they just want to be heard, you know, and give and, and give them an opportunity to speak and. Okay. Okay. We'll work on it. We'll work on it together. You know, you can, we'll, we'll touch base after every practice next day, 24 hour rule, whatever it may be. So everybody can think about it, you know? So, you know, I really didn't have challenges at, at that time. My, my parent group was incredible and I'm actually still friends with 90% of those kids that were on that O1 roster that were kind of my group. I still am friends with their parents today. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and the reason I ask is because, you know, I'm not a parent and I'm a coach and I haven't actually been a parent. So, you know, I'm learning how to manage parents and build relationships with them and I'm trying to get better and, and better every single day. And so, um, you know, hearing different perspectives always helps you with that. But, um, you know, for you, you've been a coach, you know, you're obviously a parent, but you also work with clubs on, on the operational side of things. So do you feel like, you know, maybe over time that you found some differences between yourself and other parents? Do you do you tend to, you know, attach yourselves to them when you're watching games or do you kind of go off and do your own thing? What's what's kind of you know, the vibe? Around um, that? I always pride myself on educating myself. So. My wife will always tell me, why are you always on your phone? <laughs> so. Um, you know, part of it's because I'm working, but I also am very in tune with our landscape here locally, nationally, um, internationally. I'm always trying to educate myself on what different parts of the country are doing um, from and what we're doing as a soccer culture, what soccer cultures are doing in the UK, Europe, South America. Um, I've got a lot of connections just through social media. Uh, that are in different parts of the world, in our country, in our state, um, in our region. And I really pride myself on really understanding what's going on. So my biggest thing, yeah. to, and one of my biggest things to, to parents is educate yourself or find someone who knows and ask questions because there's no harm in asking questions. Yeah. And the more you empower yourself with knowledge, and it's the same thing with running a business, you know, and I, and I tell this to soccer clubs all the time. How many companies would run their business without a marketing department? Um, you know, I, I really honestly think that, you know, none would. 
you know, and why aren't, you know, why are you not posting on social media? You should be proud of what you've accomplished. And, and there's no harm yeah. in posting, um, you know, accolades, awards, um, upcoming schedules, you know, so I, you know, and, and from a, you know, from a, a personal perspective, I also want to know what other leagues are doing. I, you know, obviously we're in a very different time with the development Academy, you know, closing and shutting their doors, which I never would have thought. Um, I had actually had one person told me that would happen um, in the next two years. And I told him he was crazy. We we're having lunch. Um, he, he's a high level mm. executive at, at one of the clubs here in town. And I said, you're nuts. And then it happened. And I said, man, I want your crystal ball. And I want you to, and I want you to tell me what the winning lottery <laughs> numbers are next. <laughs> so, and I texted him as soon as it happened. And he's like, I told you it was so funny. Um, you know, not funny because who did it hurt? It hurt the kids. Um, funny conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, and then we're all in a, in a, in a different landscape, you know, and then now MLS is coming in with an Academy group, you know, a league and, uh, you know, I just don't, I, I, we're just in a weird spot, I think, in our soccer culture as a country because of what our federation has done, um, you know, and, and what they felt is the best for the culture right now and for the kids, um, you know, I, it's just a, it's a sad time. You know, we're going to bounce back. I think, you know, as Americans, we're very resilient. And, um, you know, once we come out of this, hopefully things will start to get back to the new norm. And, um, you know, there's a place for every kid, you know? Yeah. yeah I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I definitely, that's something that I wanted to discuss with you and go and go deep into, you know, I, I might have a different opinion than you on this whole situation. I think that, I don't think that it's bad for the kids. Like, like what, what, how is it going to really affect them? Because they're just going to play in another league. The MLS league is starting up. It's a league, it's competition, right? So, so what is it about the DA that was so great in the first place? And why did you think that they wouldn't fail? Why did you think that they were going to stick around? I mean, a lot of it's history. I mean, 10 years plus on the boys side, three years on the girls side. Um, I actually have, you know, had the fortune enough to experience both ECNL and DA um, with my oldest. She, she actually played two years of ECNL up with the O2s at the Dallas Texans, played two years of DA with Texans, and then this last season with Solar. At the four years prior to her actually going to Texans was at Solar. So we've only played for two clubs with her. Um, so I've experienced showcases and playoffs and national championship opportunities at ECNL. Um, I've experienced national championship opportunity uh, with the DA in our first year. We went to the final four in Kansas city. Um, you know, I will, I, you know, I don't want to compare leagues. Um, I think where the Federation failed us is in multiple areas. Um, I, you know, and, and this just, you know, I've got a younger daughter, right? She was, she's a late August birthday. So we go age pure prior to that. Um, you know, she was an 07. So then she, we go age peer. She goes from one of the best kids to, you know, you know, middle road 06 now has become one of the better 06s, um, you know, in the age group, I would think across the board, you know, she's a talented kid. Um, Ashwin as may really didn't affect her at all. You know, at that time with the 06, 07s, they created JDL. 
Well, they didn't realize when they went JDL that they weren't USYS, so they missed out on two years of State Cup. Your best, your best kids, mm-hmm. your ten best teams, are you know are not playing USYS, so now they can't play State Cup. So in theory, do you really have your best teams going to regionals? You know, she comes in, she goes into the DA, um, which I think was a great league. I think there were some talented groups, uh, talented teams. I think there was talented clubs. If you relate that to ECNL, I think in some areas there are ECNL teams that would actually beat DA teams. Um, so, and there was mm-hmm. national team kids playing in ECNL and not in the DA because of their uh, geographical location. So not all the top talent kids, right. for instance, were playing DA because of where they were geographically and their clubs weren't there. Um, I think where U.S. soccer failed yeah. us is that, you know, and, and they, they didn't give us any opportunity to see it coming. You know, they used COVID-19 and, and this pandemic at, as an opportunity That's to shut rough. the doors. And there may be some people that knew right. it was going to happen, but then it was a free-for-all. So then all of a sudden you got ECNL potentially picking and choosing what teams are going to be in the league, what clubs are going to be in the league. Then you've got the GA league that's being tossed around by some of the previous DA clubs. Then you've got, you know, other leagues uh, coming into play, ECNL, ECRL. Um, It just became, you know, a real mess in a matter of, you know, overnight. Um, And I speak specifically to the girls side. And I think primarily on the boys side, there's not as many opportunities. Um, there's not a second league in the ECNL. Yes, there's boys ECNL, but they don't have ECRL. Now they do have an ENPL pathway, you know, through NPL and some of those ways, those pathway leagues and in regional leagues. Um, and then, you know, they only had DA and DA was, you know, I, I don't say it was a success because if you look at the dismal competition that our national team has been put on for the last two cycles. We didn't make a world cup and um, you know, was it a success? Did we get kids in Europe? Yes. Did we get kids in some of the first teams in the MLS clubs? Yes. You know, but I think that's the job of MLS academies. They're there to do one thing, make pros. They're not there to get kids scholarships. That's not their role. Their role is to develop kids to put in the first team or homegrown them, sell them, I mean, that, that, this is a business folks. And if you're, if you're oblivious to that, um, I had some very deep conversations when I was with the Philadelphia union. Um, and I've been with them multiple times. I actually filmed, um, the 12s, the 08s down at the GA cup in Atlanta over Thanksgiving, streamed some games for them there. I filmed them multiple times at, um, Ibra cup when it was here in Dallas. Um, they, I, I knew the guy, uh, when they were at Supercopa in Denver. So, I followed that 08 team for quite some time and just built a relationship um, with them. And that's how I got the opportunity to go to Brazil. But in Brazil, he basically told me it's a pathway to pro. If these parents are looking for a college scholarship, they're in the wrong spot. We're making pros. Now, will the kids that don't go pro get college scholarships seven times, nine times out of 10? Yes. But that should not be their goal or their aspirations. Their aspirations should be going pro. Sure, sure. And, you know, going back to the the what I was kind of, you know, getting to earlier is I don't think it's bad for the kids because the D.A. only catered to a select few. When you look at the whole landscape of U.S. soccer, you're catering catering to a select few. Now, those select few 
you know, you can put a percentage on it, say 80% of them are the top level players, the top team, right? But then there's still that 20% that play in those other leagues, the ECNL, the, you know, NPL, the ABCDL, whatever, you know, there's so many leagues out there. Like it's just gotten to be so crazy. And what I think people need to understand is it's not the league that produces the players. The DA did not produce any of the players that have, that have gone overseas that, you know, are playing in the national setup. It's the, the, the coaches that are working with those players. It's the players that themselves that are developing themselves. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, with the MLS league starting up, is that going to be any different from the DA? It's just the same thing. So why don't we have a centralized league system where every club similar to, you know, any type of promotion and relegation system at a professional level where every club has an opportunity based on merit to rise up to the top. And, and, and that's what, what will create a system that, that will truly allow the best. You know, to I, rise I up. challenge that. I mean, I don't, I, I see your point of view, but I also think that, you know, you're telling me that if there's no DA or no ECNL, the, you know, my daughter's U17 team, arguably one of the top teams in the nation, if they went and played Lake Highlands, they were already throwing up numbers, double digit numbers on DA teams. You think that that team playing in a state cup tournament, and regionals, I think USYS nationals, maybe they get some some challenge. But again, that's the top tier talent making it all the way there. I think iron sharpens iron. I think, you know, I do think that a league does present opportunities for better games. I do think that there are some teams that are clubs potentially that didn't belong in the DA um, or even potentially ECNL. Um, and you can do your own homework on those clubs. There's some sitting there right now in the Texas conference, um, you know, in the ECNL side that across six or seven age groups on the girls side have won less than 10 games over, over the entire season in the ECNL Texas conference. So, I mean, now, yeah, but I also think there are eight other teams in that group that provide a challenge every week. You know, I do think, that leagues that have talented kids and, 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 and are elevated to being the highest league because of the clubs that participate do provide a challenging environment rather than just having a local league. Now I say that, but you gotta look sure. at Texas. We're a hotbed North Texas in itself. Yes. We yeah. could, we could have our own talented group and we could have our own league here. And it would provide a challenge in a developmental um, culture and an opportunity for those kids to get better on a weekend, every weekend, week in, week out, them playing top talented teams. Well, that's what they're doing with ECNL, and that's what they were doing for DA. Now, there were, you know, a couple travel trips. You had to go to Colorado, you know, or, you know, and I'll go even better yet, you know, the solar team that won the you know, boys team, the U-17s that won the national championship last year. They got elevated to the DA group, but the red group, they had to go play Orlando City. They had to go play other MLS teams because they were in those MLS in an MLS bracket and their travel was crazy. But 
they were playing MLS teams, you know, and was the travel extravagant? Yes. But so was the level that they were playing at. And I think, you know, and that's a little bit different, you know, solar, you know, FC Dallas, um, you know, FC Dallas is a pro team. I I don't, I'm going to guess, but they've got million dollar budget for their travel. They take the kids to Bolivia. They go to Spain, you know, that's because they actually have, a professional club behind them. And guess what? They're also getting those kids exposure on European soil when they go and play those tournaments. It's a smart, it's marketing of those players. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I, I, I do, you know, understand the importance of being, you know, in a, in a league where you're playing top competition week in and week out. Now, what, what, what I was kind of saying is, Obviously, there are lower level teams here locally. There are higher level teams here locally. So, you know, you have divisions that are set up where, you know, the lower level teams are just staying local. They're playing teams around the area. They're playing at their level. As you rise up those divisions, it becomes more and more regional, right? And you're playing teams, you know, in Central Texas, in South Texas. And then from there, it has playoff competition, you know, where from from your your, you know, uh, regional league, then you advance to national playoffs. And so you're still accomplishing the same objective there, which is creating top competition for top players, top teams. But you're opening it up to everybody because, you know, like you said, it's it, the, the travel costs are extravagant. Right. And so, you know, I know some clubs they have the benefit like FC Dallas of, you know, being able to cover everything, but then there are other clubs that don't. And so the only kids that can play are the ones that are able to make that happen financially. And so it just leaves a lot of people out still. You know, yes and no. I mean, you could argue that till you're blue in the face, but I also feel that, you know, I mean, FC Dallas is a little bit different. That's let's kind of put them to the side, right? Because they have the opportunity to take kids from South Africa or a different area geographically in the United States. They actually have houses where these kids can stay at. They homestay kids. It's different. All those academy boys go to the same high school in Frisco. A lot different. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You know, I always felt like, um, you know, in, in, you know, if there's a will, there's a way. Um, I also know when um, we are a part of the Dallas Texans that, you know, there were scholarships that were provided. I also know, um, you know, of kids that had scholarship opportunities at other various clubs in order to make things happen for them. Um, you know, 
or kids would travel with another family. I mean, we've had kids travel with my wife and I um, because their parents, you know, one, they couldn't afford to go, but, um, you know, and then we would cover food for them if it was necessary, you know? So I think there's always, where there's a will, there's a way, you know? And I don't, I, but I also do think that there are some kids that get turned away because of financial reasons. And that's unfortunate. I I don't, you know, I, I, I can see that happening all over the place. You know, I think that. Not just financially, even maybe just based yeah. on their geographical location. Like, like if you get the MLS league that just got, you know, the the new uh, uh, team list that they just announced. I mean, there's that whole region in the Midwest where there's like seven states without one single club. Yeah. I think there was the, 19 the states total that didn't so, have um, uh, a, a team or an academy. Um, you know, yeah, I, you so know again, I don't think do? I don't think we're ever going to get it right but if you look always at that midwest area which is you know south dakota idaho iowa i mean those have always not been you know soccer affluent i don't i want to say affluent soccer-esque states um i know that they have you know they have state associations um you know you know so and you can say even new york there's a lot of kids i was actually on a call the other day with uh one of the webinar, one of those, one of the beautiful things about this time that we're in right now is there's tons of coaching education and opportunities to learn online. Um, and I've been immersing myself, yeah. um, beyond pulses has some great stuff. Gary Kernine from modern soccer coach education has been phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Matt Dana here from soccer pulse. Um, he's got the app. He did some great stuff. Um, just the other day, Sean McCaffrey is actually the, uh, Academy director for the Red Bulls. Um, I did some work for them at the GA Cup in Atlanta. I sat in on his uh, webinar. He was talking about kids that just because of where they lived in New York, it was two hours train ride to practice. Because and that's New York and it's a hotbed yeah. and it's the Red Bulls, you know. And so um, you know, it was just and you talk about you know geographical region. Look at the whole you know, upstate New York, that whole New England. I mean, all of those things, are, they're all crammed into a little space. I mean, you could put all of New England in Texas plus some, right? So, I mean, you could, I mean, then you, I, I talk, yeah. uh, I forgot about the uh, the young man that was actually down in Houston. Um, uh, Capri uh, played in the national team, went, went to, to Europe. But anyway, he was like Houston Dynamo's um, homegrown because he, he was in their region, but he actually came and played for FC Dallas. Like, it was so weird. Like, so they have territories, you know, for players. Mm. Um, you know, I don't think we've got it right just yet in regards to geographical um, or f- uh, financial, you know, situations. You know, I think especially now as we're in this pandemic and we're in this time and, you know, and families and parents have lost income, maybe their jobs. Um, I really feel like now, if not ever, there's going to be more need for others to help and step up to help some of those kids continue their soccer journey. Um, you know, I, I would, if you have, if you're listening to this and you have the opportunity to help another one, I would go to your coach, go to your DOC, um, go to your technical director and say, look, Hey, you know, I, if I can help, I'd love to help. You can make it anonymous donation and it could be someone on your team, you know, and, we have a lot of folks in the soccer community that are very affluent and, you know, now's the time forever for them to give back to the, hopefully the sport that's giving 
something to their children. And if they have an opportunity, I, you know, I plead with you to, you know, go to your coach, your DOC and help somebody in your club on your team if there's a need, because this is a great opportunity to do so. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, and, and, you know, you mentioned earlier how you think the U.S. Federation has kind of dropped the ball with all this and how they've kind of failed us. And, but, you know, at the same time, like, Hey, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend like I know anything about what's going on in their offices or behind the scenes or anything like that. But at the same time, it's still a very new Federation when you look at, when you compare it to the rest of the world and, I think they're just trying to figure it out, figure out what works best, works best for the culture that we live in. And, and, you know, I'd like to think that that's the case, but, uh, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a great question. Tell, you know, I, 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 I struggle with the word fail. I, I think they disappointed us. Um, at least me, you know? Um, yeah. You know, I, I really feel like I would like to see them create a U.S. soccer culture rather than going and trying to take from other countries and implement it here in the United States. Um, I, you know, I feel like, you know, they, they brought in a company to help go in and and reevaluate a lot of the clubs from a European perspective. And and this is specifically speaking to DA clubs. I, I think a lot of the things they did with the DA holding clubs accountable with coaching education and philosophies and methodology and actually having and putting those to paper really elevated those clubs to another level where if they had not done that, they'd be sitting status quo. So you look at some of our local uh, yeah. guys that have gone through the Academy Director's course, Hassan Nazari, um, Adrian Solka, Matt Grubb currently on the course, um, you know, Wes Shevers from Lone Star currently on the course, um, you know, and I, I may have missed one, but I, I think those are the five guys um, in, in, in Texas that were on the Academy's course. And if you talk to any one of them, they're going to tell you that it held them accountable. Did they have to do a lot of travel? Did they go to, did, did, did they felt like it was a lot of time spent because it's a year long course and, and a lot of dollars spent? Yes, I believe so. And they'll probably, tell you it was a lot of time that I really wish I could have spent at my club rather than going on these trips. But I also would think that they would tell you the information that they got from other clubs sharing their methodology and their philosophies, training regimens, the do's and don'ts, things that have made them successful, um, really helped grow the game uh, and, and, and really made those clubs really kind of rethink what they're doing as a whole. Now, I hope over the next, you know, three to five years, as a lot of those philosophies and foundations have been kind of re repegged and, and realigned that they really start to show in some of the, and the coaches coaching to those philosophies and methodologies, um, you know, and, and really elevating the game, not only in North Texas, but in the U S so, you know, well, it's, it, time will tell, you know, um, in, in that aspect, but I do feel like they did a, a pretty valuable thing and uh, a positive thing in, in that in that form of coaching education. Yeah, it's definitely a good start. You know, um, just just the fact that they're 
like you said, holding the clubs, the, the, the directors of those clubs accountable to really structuring their organization in the right way in terms of the training curriculum and, and, and the way they want to teach their teams and, and players to play. Um, one thing, though, that, that I think that, that maybe they're getting wrong is trying to create a U.S. soccer philosophy that everyone has to follow. If you look at other nations where they have a clear identity, like Spain, for example, or, or the Netherlands, it wasn't created by the Federation. It was created by the clubs. And so when you have a community of clubs that all are, you know, maybe they have similar ideas, but they're implementing them in their own ways. That's what creates that identity for the country as a whole. And, you know, I, I've only taken the, the D license course in the new format. So I don't know what it looks like at, at the higher levels. I'll be taking the C. Hopefully it doesn't get canceled, but this this fall. So we'll see what that looks like. But, uh, you know, even just in the D, it just seemed like they were trying to push their ideas on us too much, you know, rather than just laying out a format. You know, I, it's, it's funny you talk about that because follow. as part of Upper 90, um, I do have roughly, I don't know, 12 to 14 agreements with state associations uh, across the nation from uh, Massachusetts to Alabama, Florida, Oklahoma, North Texas, South Texas, Nebraska, Utah, um, just to name a few. But I come in and I, I film their uh, U.S. soccer C licenses. So this is my third year um, filming. I've done over 35 C courses in those three years, myself, personally. And, you know, I, I have seen and I've sat in on those sessions. I've sat in the classroom and I actually film all of their field sessions, you know, and I, I do, I hear what you're saying in regards to how they're, you know, how it's kind of a reverse way of you coaching, um, you know, than what your norm, what your norm probably would be like maybe coaching the opposing team to get it to do something. And then as they, as that problem is set, then you flip it and you, you, you the defense is causing the problem and now you go coach the offense to, to, to get through the problem, um, which is a little bit different than what I think, you know, and that's in the C course, but, you know, it's a little bit different than what people are used to. You know, you did mention Spain and, 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 and the Netherlands. You know, if you think about the sizes of those countries and the immigration to those countries is probably not to what it is. If you were to equate immigration and just cultures and different ethnical backgrounds that come to the United States, the land of the free, the land of opportunity. And we are, as a, as a nation, we have a great, we have an extensive immigration, right? A lot of people come here to escape a country that may be in turmoil, or they come here to uh, you know, ex to have the you know the U.S. experience. It's the land of the free. It's it's this opportunity, prosperity, right? And and we accept all walks of life and, and cultures and from you know a lot of countries. So if you think at it from a soccer perspective, we've got Italians, we've got South Americans, we've got Africans, we've got Europeans out the wazoo. We've got so many different ethnicities. It's hard as a country 
to really have a soccer identity when it's a mixed bag of tricks. You know, and I don't mean that in any disrespect because yeah. all of those cultures have a humongous and a phenomenal background in soccer and in sport in general. I mean, you think about tennis, basketball, um, you know, you've got track and field, uh, you know, baseball. You know, you, you come from Puerto Rico. It's a thriving ba- baseball nation. You know, um, how many Puerto Ricans do you see in the major leagues? A lot. You know, um, so it's, you know, how many Europeans do you see in the NBA? It, it's crazy. And so, you know, we as we've never been like, if you look at the NBA, we have the best basketball league in the, in the world. You look at the NFL. Well, we probably have the, you know, we're the best football players because that's, you know, probably one of the number one sports. Right. Um, baseball. We rival with, you know, some of the, um, the Asian countries because their baseball is phenomenal. You see a lot of their top talent coming over. You see some of the Caribbean guys coming over even some of the um, Hispanic guys from Mexico making it into the big leagues. And then how many, if you go look at MLS, what is the telltale sign of how many homegrowns do we have Americans versus, you know, uh, European players or um, international players. We as a soccer nation are nowhere near our, our capability and, and where we could be, from a nation, from a soccer perspective, we're just tipping the iceberg. Um, you know, we, we, you and I, as agents yeah. of this, of this game, you being an agent from the coaching side, meaning that you um, are affecting the youth of today, me on the business side, me as a dad, you know, from a soccer perspective, hopefully we're agents to promote this game to a higher level. You know, I know my business upper nineties got different facets from, you know, sports marketing to sports video, coaching education, um, just some of the tips of the iceberg there. Um, you know, we, we really pride ourselves on trying to advance the game through um, our series of services that we provide. And that's to clubs, teams, players, parents. Yeah, We're there hopefully for everyone. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think that the fact that we are a melting pot is the beauty of it, right? Like, we get to take, you know, with all the people that we have coming into our country, we get to take the best parts of all these different philosophies around the world and make it our own. But I think that the Federation needs to empower the clubs to, to create their own identities which as a whole will eventually, it's going to take time, but it'll eventually create that. You know, US it's funny you say that because, you know, I, I know a lot about, you know, you know, the footy factory and some of the methodology that you use for your coaching. Um, um, you know, I've, uh, I know uh, a lot about the Dallas Texans and how Hassan, you know, runs the club there from a, from methodology and from a practice perspective, um, spent quite a few years there. And, you know, at Solar, I know what their methodology is. I've actually had the great opportunity to film a lot of the DA Academy coaches or past DA Academy coaches at FC Dallas. One was on his UEFA A license. Another one was in the French Federation course. Another guy was on his B license. And I've done all the video for those guys um, multiple occasions. Um, They're all trying to learn different methodologies 
um, and get different licenses to bring back to FC Dallas. Um, you know, and, you know, Adrian is um, from Romania. You know, Hassan played in the World Cup for Iran. Um, you know, you bring your own ethnic background into what you're doing and your technical expertise that you, you know, as a player, um, you know, I've actually seen you play. Uh, so you bring that flair and that persona into your, um, your, your teams, your, for your club. And so, you know, I think a lot of those clubs take on the persona of who's leading the, you know, leading the charge, to be honest. True. You know, in FC Dallas, I mean, you know. Yeah, um, definitely, definitely. You know, FC Dallas is past coaches. You go from Dave Durr and go all the way down to, you know, who we, you know, Lucci now and how he was very successful in the academy um, and who laid the groundwork for him. You know, um, you know, they, they play a, a very South American style of soccer. Um, you know, so, uh, it's, it's very, um, it's different. It's like, and, 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 you, and it, for, for instance, Jason Christ, you know, coached at, uh, Orlando city coached at, uh, Salt Lake, you know, um, you got Ziggy, the, you know, the Ziggy Schmidt who passed away, um, you know, played a different, yeah, he passed away, uh, I think two years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Did he? And then uh, Bruce Arena, you know, oh, the way he coaches from when he coached at the college level to when he coached at, you know, uh, club level and at the international level. Um, now you've got Greg Burhalter, who, you know, was at Columbus and now implementing what he's brought into the national team now. You know, everybody takes on the persona of that coach, you know, and, and, and that's, you know, it's hard to have yeah. a cookie cutter version of what a methodology should be from a federation because we do have that melting pot. It's really, really hard. You know, I, and you know, I always hear it. It's funny that I laugh at this. It's, you know, yeah. they, 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 they got caught saying no rondos for warm up. you know, and you know, what's Barcelona do? What's Man City yeah. do? You know, Pep Guardiola is, is using rondos and look at the highly success, you know, you know, And that's what I mean. Yeah. That's that's what I mean. Like that's just that's a prime example right there of them just like for no reason, just trying to eliminate something that yeah. works. And it's just a warm up. Is good you for say, players. If you do it for an hour for and a half, game, I can see right. So and make their own. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. and again, I don't think they've, course, they've, they've gotten a lot of things right, but I do think they've laid some foundations for us. And I just think we're right now we're in a very volatile time with our federation unfortunately we've gone through you know ceos and presidents and vice presidents and you know a lot of those guys had a lot of power um you know i think just you know as fifa has kind of come crumbling down as our world federation you know and a lot of the um stuff that's happened with them and and you know i i think we're at a you know there was a a big a lot of wool over our eyes for a long time. And a lot of guys made a lot of money unbeknownst to a lot of people. And, you know, that came crashing down. You know, I, I think we're in a good spot. Hopefully that's going to come out. I don't know that the DA was a distraction for our Federation, but it might've been. So, you know, I feel like with the DA no longer being, you know, under the umbrella of the Federation and it shutting its doors, you know, I like I get. I really feel like it was a disappointment in my eyes, but I do think it's also going to be a of great benefit to some of the other leagues in the country. 
Um, they're rising to the occasion. Um, but I also think as a federation, now they can focus on being a federation and not running a league. Focus on our national teams and getting them and, and focusing on the development of our younger teams to be successful on the, on the international stage at CONCACAF, at International World Cups and doing well. You know, I don't want to see any more U17, U19, U20s, you know, potentially going to CONCACAF championships and World Cups and not doing well. You know, I really focus on developing those international teams. Hopefully they'll get more camps throughout the year um, and becoming better and getting more time with those players. I was really sad to see a couple of years ago the U17 boys residency at IMG, you know, get closed. I think it was probably three or four years ago, but that was sad to see um, because those boys lived there and they went to school there and they played together. And that was, you know, back in the Donovan and some of those guys came through that, you know, and it was very successful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I think that that's a good point. That's a good, good thing to close off on. You know, we, I just glanced at the time here. We're already over an hour. It flew by. But, uh, you know, it's been a very thought-provoking conversation that we've been having. And, uh, you know, I think that a lot of people will, will definitely get some value out of it and hopefully, hopefully think about things in a different way. But, um, you know, the, the main purpose of this show is really to just kind of inspire people to, you know, discuss success principles in the context of soccer so before we wrap up, I had a few questions that I wanted to ask you. Um, the first one is, you know, looking back on on your journey as a coach, parent, you know, now uh, with Upper 90, what are some of like the biggest challenges you, know, you faced? Um, and, and you know, how did three you different facets, it? right? So, you know, you have parent, coach, business owner. I think, you know, you kind of put them all together. Um, biggest obstacle for me was gaining trust. And, um, I honestly think that as a coach, as soon as my families and my players trusted me, um, they worked, they, they, they would do anything for me. Um, I think as a parent, um, obviously, you know, your kids have to look at you, you're a mentor, you've got to, you know, on and off the field, um, be an example for them. And as a business owner, I think it's building strategic partnerships and relationships. My business is built on relationships, and um, I really pride myself on the relationships that I have. Um, try to provide a service and do the best possible, um, you know, um, job for my partners. Um, you know, from from an obstacle perspective, you know, you you, you got to have be responsible got to build trust and i think if you build relationships that your partnerships will will you know be long lasting definitely and and i've been very grateful to to develop the relationship that we have together and and both on a business and personal level so you know thank you for for everything that you've done and and looking forward to i don't know if anybody what is knows next, what's next right um you know um I got a bunch of cameras that are sitting in my garage. So if anybody needs some film, let me know. Um, <laughs> um, we'll, we'll, we'll even film, we'll even film practices. <laughs> so. Oh, speaking of, I could, you 
Yeah, no, I was just about to say, speaking of, I am kind of looking to uh, call me late. Call me late. <laughs> you know, um, you know, what's next? I, I think, you know, okay, we'll upper 90 it. is uh, in this fall. We're actually going to rebrand from upper 90 sports media um, to uh, upper 90 HQ. Um, so we will be all things upper 90. Um, it's not like we're sunsetting okay. sports media, but we are becoming more than a sports media company. Um, we are looking to um, work with some of our local clubs from a marketing perspective, meaning we'll take over your social media channels. We'll do um, rock star graphics for you guys. Uh, we can run your channels, make them look like pro or collegiate teams. Um, we can help you with your branding, with your website. We can help you with logos. Um, and then going to our coaches, if you're doing a coaching education course, we can help you film your sessions. We can come and mic you. We can help you hear yourself and help you become better. Um, you know, we look at a player perspective. We're always going to do highlight videos, um, but we also do our college brochures for clubs and teams that go to showcases. We actually will create your own custom brochure and you can, you know, we have a printer here locally. Our, our paper's waterproof, um, really just taking soccer marketing and sports marketing to the next level. Um, we will also uh, get into the drone business because I saw your post earlier. So talking about your um, practice session, um, we'll come in and we can film practice sessions with a drone. Um, you know, that's just a little bit of what's to tease folks of what's coming with Upper 90 HQ this fall. Stay tuned for a rebrand and for a new website. It's uh, coming to you very, very soon. I love it, man. I'm looking forward to all of that, and we'll definitely be taking advantage of those services. Um, going back to the question that I asked previously about the challenges you kind of faced and how you overcame them, why do you think when people face you know, some of those challenges, um, they're not able to overcome them? One could be circumstance. One could be the environment they're in. Um, I've been very fortunate to have some mentors in my life that um, have been very aspiring and essential to me growing as a person, um, as a business owner, um, individually, and just, you know, seeing, um, you know, some of the um, things that you do over and over and over and over and, you know, bringing them to light and, and really growing one on and off the field. You know, I think growing um, in my personal life, one growing in my personal faith, um, and then, um, one just growing as a business owner and, you know, I've actually, like I said, I've had some, some great mentors, um, that have helped me get through some of those challenging times and, and challenging situations and even business opportunities. Um, so, you know, I would say if there are young coaches out there or coaches in general or business owners or parents, you know, find someone that you can trust that you can lean on. You can ask questions on either on a personal level, from a soccer perspective, um, even from a business perspective. You don't understand how many calls or people send other people my way to ask questions about the soccer landscape in North Texas. Um, it's tryout times. I'll talk to two or three parents, four to five parents, sometimes a couple parents a day, three to five parents a week asking questions about clubs, coaches, philosophies, what was my experience? And I always speak from my own personal experience. I never tell anybody about hearsay, she said, 
he said, it's all about my personal experience. So I haven't been to that club. Mm. I may not be able to tell you, but I can tell you, I can point you in a direction who's somebody who's there. Or if I have a personal relationship with that coach, I can tell you how they've been with me personally. I will never, ever tell anybody anything about something without it being a personal connection to me. Love it. Love it. Yeah. The more and more I ask that question, the more and more I get that answer talking about mentors, finding people who know more about what you want to know than you do. You know, that's, that's so, so uh, my definition of greatness. Um, what is your um, definition of greatness? We call it the, uh, we call it the triple H. It's the happy, hungry, humble. Ooh, what's that? <laughs> Love it. That's money right there. That's the top. I love it, man. It's right uh, the Triple H. Happy, hungry, it. be humble. Money. Um, what piece of advice would you give to your younger self? Find a mentor a lot earlier in life. Um, and... Um, focus on personal growth uh, a lot sooner than, um, than, than I did. That's brilliant. Sean, thank you so much for your time, man. How can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about Upper 90? Uh, or just you know, anybody to, to learn more that about wants to know a little bit more about Upper 90 Sports Media. Um, currently, our... Uh, Website is www.upper90sportsmedia.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. And if anybody just wants to give me a call, you can give me a shout at 214-476-6310. 214-476-6310. I can be happy to answer any of your questions. And hopefully we can uh, you know, point you in the right direction or uh, provide one of our services for you, your club, your child um, um, or team. We're here for you. Fantastic. So before we wrap um, up, what is one, you know, don't take like anything for granted. Um, we're in a very, very trying time. So, uh, you know, say you love your loved ones. Tell them you love them um, every day. You never know what the next day is going to bring. Um, you know, for me, Soccer is a lifestyle, but it doesn't have to be. Um, if, if it's not your passion, um, just make sure that you allow your son or daughter to continue to have the passion. Sometimes it's uh, hard to take a seat back and allow them to enjoy their experience in their soccer journey. Um, so try not to play, uh, put too much pressure on them um, and, and really allow them to experience the love of the game um, in their, through their own eyes, in their own development, and at their own pace. Sean, thank you. Have a good night. We'll talk there to you, you guys. There you have it, guys. Sean Miller, thanks again for your time, sir. All right, everyone. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> Peace.